by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Many of you know my brother passed away about two years ago. Um, He was my best friend. He's six years younger than me, but we were thick as thieves, you know. We grew up together competed together and did life together. He was my confidant and, and I was his. Uh, as you know, he had a, like a seven-year bout with cancer. He had stage four when they, when they even realized he had cancer in the first place. And uh, he overcame that. He had several surgeries and, and he was clean for a few years there. And he had beat cancer, but cancer came back and, uh, and it finally took him. And a couple of months before uh, he went to be with the Lord. He had gotten very frail. You know, he was my size. I see him right there. Uh, he was very frail, and he he got to where he couldn't stand anymore, and his body was ravaged with cancer. And uh, he knew it was about his time to go, and, and it got to where I would have to pick him up and put him in his wheelchair, and, you know, and he he didn't go very many places. I would take him me and his wife and his kids would go see his son's basketball games and he'd get out of the house. But one day I said, Heath, uh, you've been in the house a long time. Let's go for a ride. You know, I just wanted to go for a ride. And uh, I got him to agree and carried him out and put him in the truck. And and we went down a ride down memory lane. We kind of knew, you know, this was our last opportunity to do that. We went looked in Whitehaven where we used to live, the house we used to live in, the apartments we had lived in before that, and our old schools and our places where we played wiffle ball and football and had our big time riding our bikes, you know, growing up and, and just went down memory lane. But I could tell, you know, somewhere along the way he was kind of shuffling in his seat, you know, and he was in a lot of pain. And you wouldn't know it from being with him unless you picked up on the signals because he wouldn't tell you. He hardly ever complained about anything. He was just so strong during it all. And uh, finally, I said, well, we better get you back home. You know, he said, he said, let's stop at the Arby's. And so we stopped right across the street over there at, at the Arby's and got a sandwich. And as we were sitting there, he was asking me about you guys. I remember it like it was yesterday. He, he said, how's the church? You know, how's it going with that situation or this situation? Because like I said, he was somebody outside the church that I could, I could confide in what I the, the heartaches of a pastor, you know, and the things that I went through, me and Angie. And, and so he was asking about that, and, and I could tell he was squirming. I said, let's get you home, you know. And so we cranked up the truck, and as we was pulling out of the parking lot of Arby's, right there in that dangerous intersection, he says, Guy, how are you doing with all of this? And what he meant was, you know, I'm fixing to die. How are you doing with this? Here he is, the one in pain. Here he is, the one that's been through all those surgeries and all that therapy, all that medicine, all those disappointments. And he, he's the one dealing with, you know, I'm about to leave my kids and my wife. I'm fixing to step over into the unknown. I'm fixing to cross that line, that line that we're all face one day, but we don't often think about. 
And here he is, instead of saying, telling me about how he feels about everything, he says, how are you doing with it? Well, I launched into, you know, I'm praying and I'm believing God for this and God told me this the other day. And, you know, I, I just said what was going on in my life. But then he got a phone call and then uh, we didn't get to talk anymore. But I looked back on that and I was like, why didn't I ask him how he was doing with all that? How does it feel to know that you're fixing to go and be with the Lord? You know, I should have asked him how he feels about to leave his wife and family behind. But, you know, I already knew. I knew he wasn't scared because he always says, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. That was his saying that he always would just let us know he's good. There was no question that he was good with the Lord. His life and the fruit of his life demonstrated that in a major, major way. But I just thought that's just so like Heath to want to ask about how I'm doing, you know, when he's the one that's doing. He's the one that's really going through. But do you know who holds tomorrow like, like Heath did? Are you that confident? If we could only grasp, I thought about it, if we could only grasp the infinite power and glory and splendor of our God. If we knew who it is that we have placed our trust, our hearts would be at, at peace. Our hearts would be at ease. Or even if we knew, if we could look at creation and say, wow, if my God can do this, can he hold my securely my future i mean in six days he spoke this universe into existence in all its splendor and wonder galaxies innumerable you know our little pea brains <laughs> it's well beyond the grasp of our mind's eye to even think about the distances to the next planet much less the billions of galaxies out beyond where our deepest telescopes cannot go. But you have no you have no need to look further than this little blue-green speck of space dust called Earth for your wonder to begin to overflow. What kind of God, what kind of God could do all this? We're delicately aligned as a planet in a solar system. You understand at the precise distance. An angle and tilt in relation to a, our life source we fittingly call the sun. <laughs> he thought of it all. And I, I started thinking about the wonders of our planet. I wrote some things down. Within this planet, we have the processes of evaporation and condensation providing the life-giving water that we all need to survive, right? We have a food chain, and I don't mean McDonald's. <laughs> we have rich soil and seed-bearing vegetation providing a continuing supply of not only sustenance for us, things for us to eat, but the oxygen in which we breathe, which the trees are providing. Think about the wonders. All these things like apps running in the background of this large computer called Earth. 
things that are going on that we don't even think about most of the time. <laughs> Chemical components, organisms, species, microclimates. There's rock cycles, carbon cycles, energy cycles, nitrogen cycles. There's a hydrosphere, a geosphere, an atmosphere, a biosphere, and other stuff I can't explain, I fear. <laughs> I mean, there's just all kind of stuff going on. Should I continue? Just to make life bearable and doable for us. All running at all times. If any one of these things stop, so would our life. Processes like erosion, convection currents, photosynthesis. I can't even pronounce these things. It makes life not only possible, but beautiful. He gave us everything that we need to live our lives impeccably. To live our lives able to risk it all because we know in whom we have believed and if he created all this and, and I'm not even getting into the wonders of the human body of who you are, the complexities of your life, your DNA, your fingerprints, your personality, the beauty of who you are, how your muscles work with your sinews and, and how your organs work together and process food and how your little eyelashes keep dust out of your face. I mean, we only have to look at creation to get a picture of our creator. Everything that we need to survive and create a Tokyo skyline. We think of the wonders of all that mankind has done. We're flying around in tin cans. Over, we're going out of space flying around. We're sending probes to Mars and Venus was next. And you think man is wonderful. <laughs> man didn't use anything that wasn't already in this green and blue ball called Earth. And what do we have that we weren't given the technology that man thinks he came up with was already there. God let us discover it. Man should be, man, he put us in the garden. He put us in control. He said, you rule and reign. You name the animals. I'll give you a help meet suitable for you. Praise God we have relationships. <laughs> Praise God we have somebody to help us through life. And he said, I'll be with you. In case you're wondering, in case you feel alone, he is with you. He walked with them in the cool of the day. They had everything that they could possibly desire. And what did we do? What was our response to the magnificence of God? We ate of the one tree. In the entire universe that he said don't eat of. One tree. We rushed to it. <laughs> it's not funny. Why am I laughing? I don't know. You know what would I have done if I had created all this and give it to man and said only one thing that I don't want you to do. One thing. And they did it. I'd be squashing Adam and Eve between my thumb and forefingers. And starting over. Maybe I'll get a pet or something. These people are too hard to deal with. I cannot believe they just did that. Are they not thankful? But you know what? God didn't do that. 
Because God cannot fail. It may look like it sometimes. It looks like you're failing down here, God, but he's not. God cannot fail. And he's already chosen to love us with an unfailing love. And you know what? If we were stopped to think about the wonders of the earth, all that's great. But his love outshines his creation. His love shines through his creation. And it's meant to shine through you because you are part of his creation. The part that he loves the most. <laughs> so, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Because I thought, what does love ask of us? In light of all that he has given us, what is love asking of us? Well, in verse 3, he would say, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Well, how many of us have missed the boat already? I have lived my life trying to impress others. I have lived my life making it about me. He says, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Well, there's nobody as good as me. Come on, God, give me a break, right? Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. This is what God, love is asking of us in light of all that he has given us. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You know, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. I hear people talking about, I'm a child of God. God wants me happy. God wants me blessed. God wants me. Yeah, he does. You say, well, well you know, I'm a prince of God. Well, God was God, and he still laid down his life for others. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. That's a lot of humility for the one who just flung this whole thing into existence. That's a lot of humility. That reminds me of that scripture that says, because he went to the lowest places in the earth, God has highly exalted him. Because he humbled himself to such a degree, now he's high and lifted up. And then what the Bible says, if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. But here we are in the garden, so to speak, wanting to be a bit like God in our lives, wanting to play God in our lives, wanting it to be about us. But we have no idea what God is really like. 
God is like a worm farmer. He's got this tray of dirt filled with worms. You reach in there and there's just worms crawling through your fingers. You know, have you ever, you know, people raise worms for people to use as bait. It would be like the worm farmer looking and seeing his worms are dying. And instead of throwing them away and going and getting more worms, he becomes a worm to save the worms. The creator was born into his own creation. I fear some of the things that I'm saying are are going right past over your head. Stop and think about that. The creator inserted himself into creation as one of us, as a humble slave. As one of the least among us. And I tell you, if I would have done that, I wouldn't have come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. I would have had an entourage. I would have had a golden chariot. I would have come in with style. But it says our God didn't even make himself attractive. He didn't want us to be attracted to his looks. He didn't want to, to have advantage over the least of us. In Isaiah 53, 2, it says, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him as a human. He wanted his beauty to be from within. We paint these pictures of some good-looking, handsome dude as Jesus, you know. I think we might be surprised. That his glory and his beauty comes from within. Quiet and a gentle heart. Like he says ours should be. And you know, not many people recognized him when he was here. He walked the earth for 30 years before hardly anybody began to recognize him. His own brothers and his family didn't recognize him. His mama knew. <laughs> But then he began to, to preach and he began to collect disciples and a few of them began to get the understanding of who this is. <laughs> the great I am walking right there. And what did they want to ask him? How can I be as humble as you, Jesus? No. How can I be the greatest? How do I get to sit at the table with you when we get to heaven? We're still trying to exalt ourselves, always. We're only thinking of us. What can I do to make myself big, attractive? In Matthew 20, verse 25, it says, But then Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people? They're bossy. They got authority and they let you know it, right? How many could attest to that? <laughs> Our officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant. Today's message is entitled, Serve Like Jesus. He said, whoever wants to be leader 
must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Well, that doesn't sound like the way to to be respected as a leader to me. But then again, most of what Jesus says is backwards to our human thinking. Give it away to get more? That doesn't sound like it'll work. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You say, Pastor, is is this sermon about humility or serving? Yes. Because you won't serve without humility. If you are so ingrained in me, mine, and and what I want, and and the respect that I deserve, and my rights, then you won't humble yourself. You won't think about others. And you won't serve. And if you won't serve, you won't lead in the kingdom of God. Pastor Norris Braswell in our Montgomery campus, he said God's viewpoint of greatness, he said greatness is not based upon positions, possessions, or power. God doesn't see greatness like that. If you're, if that's what you want to get to heaven, you want to say, God, did you see my title? I'm the pastor. And man, I got all this money and I got a four-wheeler and a boat and an RV. And man, when I say something, people scramble. I got power. Is that going to impress God? That's not what his greatness is based upon. He says, the one who becomes the servant will be the one who rules. And first of all, when you become a servant, you will rule over this flesh. Until you humble yourself and become a servant, you won't rule over your pride. You won't rule over your personal interest and what the flesh wants. You will only serve yourself. And I always say, self implodes, man. We think that's what we want. Our flesh tells us that that's what we want. We want these things that are not good for us. And they destroy us. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, oh, that's where we find life and peace. To think like Jesus. And the Bible says, you have the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit himself living on the inside of you. You can choose this life. Each one of us can choose to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's a servant's mindset? Like I said, it's not positional. It's not title-minded. It's humility. Since we're all loved equally by the Father... Let me say that again. Some people got this mindset because if you're in the ministry, if you're the one doing the preaching, God loves you more. Well, it's only true in my case. Well, I feel like that. Don't you feel like that? 
If you knew the truth, he loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves us all equally. And if we get a hold of that, we won't have to be jockeying for position like little kids, you know, my kids. <laughs> Josh said this. Josh always does this and gets away with it. Kaylee don't ever do this, you know. <laughs> jockeying for position like, like we're going to love one of them more. They're going to impress us to love one of them more. They're always asking who you love the most, you know, not anymore, but when they were kids, you know. You know, they'd get an answer out of me. I would use it to my leverage, you know, for leverage, but they'd, they'd never get an answer out of Angie. It's always the same, you know. <clears throat> Just kidding, but there's no need to jockey for position. We're all loved equally. We're not fighting against one another. We're not trying to outdo one another. The way of serving is the way to your freedom. If you will love others like Christ, love others you will be free of self, free from pride, ego, and competition. You, you, we're holding on to these things that are just tearing us up on the inside. We're feeling like failures because we don't measure up, and we're measuring ourselves against people that we are not. We're measuring ourselves against standards that don't only, only exist in our mind. When you're already as loved as much as you'll ever be loved right now, if we'd get a hold of that love, then we would be free. There's freedom in that love. Servants leave it to God to reveal their position. Love for God, love for others is the sign of true spiritual humility. True spiritual maturity. You want to see a mature Christian? You see in one that's not climbing the, the Christian ladder trying to be something. He just is, or she is, knows she is something. She don't have to impress. Just wants to serve. Just wants to serve. You know, one of the last acts that Jesus did after his 33 years on the earth, he knew he was fixing to go to the cross, you understand. He knew... The, what he was about to suffer. And he, he broke bread with his disciples at the Last Supper. They had communion together. He sh talked about love. But what was one of the last acts that he did? Well, after the supper, he got up on this throne. He said, you guys have seen me going about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil doing all these good works, now bow down and kiss my feet and show me how much you appreciate me. You know, the last thing he wanted to show them is to not be like that. Instead, he took a towel and put it around his waist and he kneeled down at their chair with a bowl of water and a rag and he washed his disciples' muddy feet. He did the unimaginable. Do you know how unimaginable it is to some people in this community that you would stop and help them fix a flat tire? 
Do you know how unimaginable it is to someone that you would hand them a $20 bill and say, I just want to bless you? They're like, that would have never occurred to me. Never. They do not understand that love. And that is the power that we possess as servants of Jesus Christ to turn this community. Simple acts of service will touch the heart of our community. They will flock to our church. They will flock to Jesus Christ. Let me find a God that loves like this. I didn't know I could be forgiven. I didn't know I was loved. Simple acts of service. Jesus said, I've given you an example to follow. John 13, 15. Do as I have done to you. He just washed their feet. He said, I'm your master. And I just knelt down and washed your feet. I'm the creator. <laughs> he, didn't even, he didn't bring all that up, but that's who he was. Let me ask you a question. Would you have helped Jesus carry his cross up to Calvary if you'd have been there? Say you were living during Jesus' day and you were coming into town to Jerusalem and all of a sudden there's this parade coming out and you don't really know what's They're coming outside the city walls and they're headed towards Golgotha and you're just coming into town and they grab you and say, carry this man's cross. Would you have helped Jesus bear that load, that cross? Up that hill called Golgotha? You say, yes, I would. I'd have been shoulder to shoulder with Jesus and we'd have carried it together. Well, let me ask you, are you carrying the cross today? The proof is in the pudding. All of us say, oh, all of us got those good intentions. All of us say, oh, yeah, I would have. Man, I'd have been different if I'd have been back in those days. I'd have carried that cross. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Would you have gone against your religious construct and as a as a Pharisee, would you have went and bought spices and and came with cloth to take the body down? Would you have gone and put yourself on the line with Pilate and said, can I take down the body of Christ like Joseph of Arimathea? Would you have taken his body down gently, bruised and bloody and broken? Would you have wiped, wiped away the blood and, and wrapped his, his body in the cloth and put the spices on it and given of your own tomb that you had made for yourself? Would you have done that? <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. We'd like to think we would, but are you taking care of the body of Christ today are you spending your resources on the body of Christ today are you willing to come here if I ask you to come early to, to make the coffee would you are you taking care of the body of Christ today these simple acts of service back then made the resurrection possible and simple acts of service today make resurrection possible. 
It is still the dinner bell to the gospel. The love and the simple acts of service still open up the human heart for the resurrection. Still roll away the tomb. Roll away the stone in front of the tomb. Are you binding up the bodies of those who come out of the tomb when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth? The broken, are we laughing at them? Oh, they don't even want to pray. <laughs> Listen to them pray. They're funny. They don't know nothing about our Christianese. They don't know how to behave in the church. Are we thinking our church is less than because we got a lot of broken people in it? I think this is right where Jesus would want to be. Would you come early Sunday morning like Mary Magdalene did to anoint the, the body of the Lord? You know, she was the one who had anointed his body before his death. And here she comes again. She gets up before daylight to go to the tomb. Would you have been like Mary? But like I said, the proof is in the pudding. Would you come early to church and, and let your fragrance Bless the church. Let your smile bless somebody. Your hug, your prayers. We Would you come early to pray on Sunday mornings? Proof is in the pudding. You say what you'd have done back then, but are you doing it now? Are you serving now? Your willingness to serve may be the most tangible proof of your worship. Oh, there's people that can sing. <laughs> they can play guitar and drums and bass and keyboards. Saxophone, man, they can. You hear them and you're like, man, they're a worshiper. Wow, what a worshiper. But some of them are just worshiping their, their gifts. They're saying, they're climbing the ladder. Look at me. Look how well I play. Look how perfect I am. Man, if I keep going up this ladder, pretty soon a big church will want me. <laughs> After Heath beat cancer that first time, man, he... He came back strong. You know, he had a piece of his brain removed and one of his lungs. and He's still playing basketball. <laughs> he came back. We'd play golf all, all the time, and he'd still beat me, man. We were sometimes, you know, sometimes I'd win, but most time he'd win. <laughs> and I remember we were playing golf one time down there at the Whitehaven Country Club. And uh, I don't know what happened. It was very, very unusual. I was playing good because I'm really bad at golf. I, I have potential. You know, I can hit it far, but that's about all I can do. You know, my short game is terrible. But this one particular day, I was pulling it all together. And we just, you know, we're so competitive. We're button heads. You know, we're, we come. I don't come to shoot good. I come to beat Heath, and he comes to beat me. Well, we're playing, and about five holes in, I'm like one under par. I've never in my life shot under par, you understand. And Heath is just doing normal, you know. He, 
he's going to shoot in the 40s or something, you know. And, and he's looking and he's like, he recognizes that this is a special day for me. That I am pulling it together like I never have. And instead of him doing like what I would have done, I would have pouted. I'd have been throwing clubs. This sucks. I can't believe you're, you're just having a good day. I'd have been trying to rag him and trying to get him off his game and saying things. What did Heath do? He started saying, man, I think you're going to have a good day. He started being like my personal caddy. About the seventh, eighth hole, he stopped playing, and he put his clubs in his bag, and he didn't get them out. He was just riding with me in the cart, and he was telling me, man, you got like 20 feet to the green. If you hit it right here, he started helping me have my best day ever. I'd never seen it. I mean, it was like, this is not like us. I guess I don't have that many good days. I never gave him that opportunity. <clears throat> but I shot one under par that day. The only time I've ever shot under par, best round of golf in my life. And then when we got through, he wasn't like me. I'd have been over there pouting. Well, I'll get you next time. This is suck. I was just terrible today. But I'll get you. You know, you had a good day, but I'm going to get you next. He was like, man, that was good. You really did good today. He was boosting me up. He said, let me see your scorecard. You ought to keep that. And he wrote his name on it saying, eyewitness. Because he knew if I told people, <laughs> they weren't going to believe it. <clears throat> yeah, he wrote on their witness, Heath. And I kept this card, you know, because this was the first time I ever shot under par. And I thought, I'm going to keep that card because that probably never happened again. But the more I think about it, I don't keep it because of how good I did that day. I keep it because I think about how he served me that day. When I think about that day, he was the hero and not me. And we can all make that decision to just serve one another, to care more about other people than we care about ourselves. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 21, and I know he said this to Heath. He said, well done, good and faithful superstar. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what? That's all you got to be. That's all you got to be. We make it about everything else. But you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. And that's how you enter in to the joy of the Lord if you're not joyful right now you're too inward minded you need to go help somebody do something you need to send a card to somebody you need to bless somebody you need to start praying for other people's needs instead of just your own
You need to be like Jesus, going around doing good. And watch your joy level rise. And watch how you become content with the things you have. Watch how you become complete as a person. Watch how condemnation and guilt begin to evaporate. How you become free. If there's anybody in here that doesn't know the love of Jesus, you want to give your heart to him. You want to be forgiven of your sins. You want to trust his work on the cross. You want him to be your savior. You want a new life. Follow the Lord of all creation. Would you raise your hand right now so I can pray with you? Amen. I see those hands. Anyone else? Anybody online? Hang with me because we're going to pray together. Is there anybody in here who's really hurting on the inside? And you need the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And you need the support of those around you. Would you you lift your hand if you need prayer? your hands. Pray with me whether you're here in the service or online. Pray with me and simply ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, God I believe that Jesus is the Lord of all creation. That he became one of us. And he took our sin and he paid our debt on our cross and right now I turn from my sin and I trust you Jesus to forgive me and be the Lord of my life I will follow you as your servant and as a servant to your creation fill me with your Holy Spirit Empower me to get outside of myself and to truly live in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.